Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams. It's been a long time. Is this the first show of 2324 or are we not there yet? What do you think? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting. I, I sort of define it as 2324 starts July 1. Okay, that's, that's fair. You know, yeah, that makes like sense. The, the first big event of the new season is free agency and all that. So then, yeah, uh, I believe we did one in July. I recall but yeah I mean it's it's been a while either way so um well I always it's funny because I always find it weird when people refer to like free agency frenzy of the previous season because I guess really the draft is what ends each year right like that's probably the best way to look at it I agree yeah Yeah, no I I would even you could even argue before that I would argue that the finals yes actually it makes more sense are sort of the the culmination right like yeah and then I would say the draft is like the first event of the new season. Now mm-hmm. it's weird because like this year, like you had the, the finals, the, they ran so late that mm-hmm. and then you had the draft like five days later. So Insane. it's not, <laughs> it's not quite like the, the natural break. Um, maybe that you would maybe expect, but yeah, here we are. So today for today's show, we have some fun sort of, you know, would you rathers and, and, Hot topics we're going to debate and whatnot. Uh, we have some news also trickle in. We'll start with uh, a news tidbit that came out in the AHL recently pertaining to an AHL prospect, or rather a former one, and that's Ryan Merkley. So one of the most polarizing prospects in recent memory. He's KHL bound. First round pick of San Jose in 2018. Uh, right-hand defenseman, just under six foot. Elite skater, passer. Um, very highly regarded in his draft year but slipped a bit in terms of pure talent he was one of the best but there were issues with off-ice stuff there was issues with his defensive game and now you know he was traded to the eagles uh, the avalanche organization tail end of last year his last year at his entry-level deal and now he is not going to be back in north america he's going to the khl so first pat what do you think was lacking from his game this season? We'll get into his the whole entry-level contract, but just this year with Merkley, what do you think was lacking in his game? Defensive play. I mean, absolutely. I mean, he made his kind of he made his mark in the OHL with, you know, obviously putting up production and numbers and all that. And that's all fine and well. But nobody nobody's gonna last for that long in the AHL if you mm-hmm. can't, if you can't cover your own self defensively and and certainly not in the NHL, right? Like that's a, it's a non-start. Yeah. And, you know, he, he cycled obviously through San Jose goes to Colorado. The thinking there was Greg Cronin, the coach then of the team has had a lot of success rebuilding players, or I wouldn't say rebuilding in his case, it would be just building a defensive game, a responsible play away from the puck. Um, wasn't able to make that uh, 
make that happen. So, uh, you know, and, and certainly the numbers offensively weren't anywhere near what they would need to be to offset exactly the liability. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's not just – it's not even like subtle parts of his defensive game are, aren't there. I mean, it's something that you you could get the the most casual fan, yeah, and they could they could pick out the deficiencies. Uh, there was a lack of compete too. I found, and you know, yeah. there was a lack of. There's not many five foot eleven right hand defensemen in the NHL that are subpar defenders. Yeah. I don't know how. I mean, I think there's maybe five. I, I don't know, and obviously the goalposts are moving as to what's a a good defender and what's not, but. I think you, you nailed it on the head. Like his offense was not good enough to offset the defensive deficiencies. And even then, man, like I think let's say he was a point per game defenseman, even with those shortcomings, I still think there'd be questions. I don't know if he, I don't think he'd be in the NHL right now. That's for sure. No. no, I mean, you think about the guys in the NHL that can get away with that, right? Well, like very few, very few. And the ones that can, have at least built up enough of a reputation that they can maybe get away with it, you know, and they, and they also, and they execute and, and the production there is, you know, like, like, like Eric Carlson, for example, right? Sure. Sure. There's gaps in his game defensively, but his production is so off the charts that you're willing you can to look the other way. You're willing to, you're willing to take that chance. Like Ryan Merkley hasn't proven anything at the HL level, let alone the, the NHL level to even get that shot. So, and how many coaches? Yeah. You make a good point, but what I was going to say is they also gave him like 40 games to like, not this season, like not 22, 23, the one before 21, 22, they gave him like 40 games. And, you know, let's be honest. Those, those were, those were handouts. You know, he, he, he was given the pedigree because he was a first round pick and he was with a a struggling team. Exactly. He's not going to get that opportunity with a contender. For sure. You know, so you know, you you can get away with that when you're a team that's obviously not going anywhere playoff wise. So uh and even then there it wasn't there, right? So Yeah. Well, I mean hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'm curious, did you ever th- remember a point where you thought he could be NHL bound? Or was there always just a wait and see with him throughout his career in the AHL? For me it was wait and see. And then, you know, I thought when he got that opportunity in the NHL okay, maybe this will be the, the kickstart. Uh, the kickstart, right? Like maybe this will be the wake up call where he's like, okay, I, I got to at least get my, my defensive play up to some level. Yeah. It just never came together. And then I thought certainly like, okay, fine. Like you're traded to Colorado. Uh, Greg Cronin, that's really where he made his mark. I mean, Greg Cronin is now with the Anaheim Ducks for that reason, because he, remarkable skills as a teacher a guy that can break down your game take it basically strip your game down to the to the foundation and rebuild it and the problem but the problem pat was there wasn't enough time for that it was too little too late right you know i think ideally from let's pretend you're you're in merkley's camp like you're on his side for this argument if he stayed in North america working with a coach like him or someone of the similar pedigree right that that does that with you creating and infiltrating pro habits you need kind of a year process with that and i think i have to think he was a bit rattled by the trade he did re- not rattled sorry he requested a trade i should note before that but i, I think the way 
things were going. He was confident in the gutter and it just kind of spiraled. So, um, but before we move on, I think it's interesting to note, like Pat, th- this is kind of a trend where there's a player that's a prospect that is highly regarded, usually a fun, exciting defenseman or forward that is sort of high risk, high reward, uh, you know, high risk, high reward player that this doesn't work out. And I think that the third year of the ELC is usually the most telling for guys that haven't made it yet. Is it not? Yeah. And I'll add to that. Uh, Merkley might be one of our first real test cases. And we've discussed this theory quite a bit about the disruption of the pandemic season. Mm-hmm. Um, where, Cause that was his rookie year. Know, yeah. A whole, a whole class of players had to break into pro hockey during the pandemic year, which was a, this, you know, this is nobody's fault, but obviously it was a very unstructured, disorganized, uh, anything but uh, standard type of season. Right. Yeah, so totally break in. He played 30 something games that first year. I mean, you know, you're not, you're just, everyone made the best of it, but it's just not a traditional way to break in. And then the, even the following year was, was disruptive, right? Like, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was the year where you had the taxi squads for six weeks up in the NHL. So like half the age old seemed like emptied out and it was just, you know, and, and he got caught with a San Jose team, like the Barracuda that was going through a transition that, that also was struggling. Like he needed a, a player like him with, with, with the, the, the holes in his game. He needed to come into a very, uh, idealized structured situation and, and, and- that was not it. And buy in. Yeah. Too. That, that's sure. the second part of it, of course. Sure. Um, now let's move on to a segment we have planned out for a couple of weeks now. This should be fun. We're going to do a game of Would You Rather. Uh, part one, or the main installment, will be prospects. And how it's going to work, we'll do a forward one, a defense, and a goaltender. How it's going to work is I'm going to list three players. And it's Would You Rather have one of these three players? And the criteria is if you're building a team from scratch. Now, or think about expansion, right? Whatever it is. The point is like you're, you're bare bones. You're not talking about fitting to different teams, just who you want to start a franchise with. I'll ask you, Pat, you'll give yours. I'll give mine. And we'll just kind of plead our case, if you will. So the first one we'll do is forwards. Here are the three forwards. Lucas Reichel, Luke Evangelista, or Marco Rossi. Who are you taking, Pat? Go with Evangelista. Um, I love the fact that, like, he came in this year and didn't treat this year as a, like, well, I'm going to dip my toe into the water, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he he completely jumped in, like, like two feet. Um, and just really, I mean, a maturity to his game that I hadn't seen you know, from, from, from such a young player, right? And then... You know, I'm always a little skeptical with, with young players, right? Like, you know, kind of like until you prove it, you haven't proven anything. Yeah. Um, well, he did it. Like, like he went to Nashville. Um, it was part of that that big influx of players late in the year where, you know, it looked like Nashville was pretty much done for the year. And then they got really hot down the stretch in March, April, almost got themselves into, you know, into the playoffs. I mean, kind of like against all odds. And uh, he was a big part of that, you know, like, he produced, sure. I mean, and, and that was the thing that I think that was what surprised me most. Like 
a lot of players, like when they go up early on, like forget about producing offensively. They're just trying to, you know, stay, you know, hang in there. Right. Like, and, totally. and, and take care of their own end. And then maybe later on, you worry about the offensive part. Uh, like he played with a lot of confidence, a lot of assertiveness and, and that assertiveness yeah. is always what I notice from, from a young player. Right. Like, are you going in there and trying to just not make a mistake or are you going in there and trying to make, make a difference? And he was going in there trying to make a difference. He had a monstrous playoff as well. Yes. Yes, he did. So here's who I'm going to take. I'm taking Marco Rossi. And the reason for this is pretty simple. Players like him with an elite brain who can impact the game in all three zones, they don't grow on trees. Mm. He's a center. He's five foot nine, but he's not a typical five foot nine, you know, high volume offensive center that goes, you know, maybe 10th overall if it ever happens, right? You, you look at him from the outside and you go, okay, well, he had a historically amazing draft year, but he's five foot nine, has to learn the other parts of the game. That could not be the farthest from the truth. Like, you know, Marco Rossi was very fine as an everyday NHL player in the first 19 games he played. He just couldn't score. He is one of the most cerebral players you will find. He's a true natural center. And for me, I see him as like a Phil Deneau type, but with mm -hmm. more offense. So I and I mean and that's a big compliment. Like I think that people Phil Deneau might be one of, if not the best, shutdown centers in the last, you know, half decade, whatever it may be. And people always called him a third line center, but it's like, you know, Phil Deneau scored 50 points last year, the yeah. year before. And I see Rossi kind of being that 60, 65 range if all goes well. You know, he missed his entire draft year plus one season with COVID. Then his draft year plus two year, 53 points in 63 games. I actually think that it could have been better, but fatigue caught on to him at the latter part of it. Then this past year, after, as I mentioned, he, he made the team out of camp, had a great preseason, but his confidence kind of faltered, and I think it was hard for him to recover. Um, mm -hmm. He was a fine everyday player in that fourth-line role, but you want more from him. Mm -hmm. I think in hindsight, Minnesota probably should have put him in a better position to succeed, strictly from a confidence angle right like i think that with him you're dealing he cares so much he's a player around mm. like he just cares a lot he's very responsible and stuff and you want to develop that attack mentality but when you're playing him and I'll, and listen i i've said that on the program before i'm all for how players need to earn their ice time like don't get me wrong but i just i felt like there was a game i think it was against los angeles where rossi played like four minutes or something um towards the end of the game or even in total it was really low and I think after there, that really sealed the deal for him and the comments mm. affected him. But as I said before, I think he has another gear to unlock offensively. I think we'll see that in the fall. But if we don't, I still think it's coming. Uh, yeah. Ponce is a big thing, right? But the reason I'm taking Marco Rossi is because if I'm starting a team in my head, you know, wingers can be dime a dozen. Yeah. And Reichel and Evangelista are great young prospect wingers. Like some of the best in, that aren't in the NHL right now, right? And, and I've spoken great about both of them. But as I said, you know, I want my pillars down the middle. And I think Rossi would be great for that. And even with where he's at in these last two years have gone after his draft, I'll bet on Marco Rossi any day. Now, defenseman, Pat, this is going to be a fun one. Simon mm -hmm. Edmondson, David Yerichek, or Simon Nemich? Who are you taking? Yerichek. I mean, I, I just love his game. I love – I mean, for me, if I'm taking a defenseman, I want – I want to feel pretty confident that he can be that number one. He can be that horse, right? Mm -hmm. that you can put him, you know, 24, down for 24, 25 minutes a night. And, you know, you don't worry about it afterward, right? Like, yeah. 
you know, and that's what I think he can be. I think I, I, I saw a lot of that at this level, at the HL level. I think that translates eventually to the NHL. Um, and I love a player that it's almost more a matter of you have to slow him down a little bit than yeah. a player that you have to kick into gear, right? Like and, point. And that was that was the big challenge with Jerichek. Like, you know, he's 18, so like sure. he – he tried to do too much. Well, it's a lot easier to get a player to try to do too much or to try to not do too much than it is to try to do the reverse. You're right. And, um, you know, he has a good head on his shoulders. I like uh, I like how he moves. Um, I thought he, he made tremendous uh, progression this year. And, you know, this is he was a, a real great test case for the benefits of getting a player in at age 18, getting your – getting your, your, your staff around him and getting to work with him day in and day out. And uh, Columbus did exactly that. Uh, you know, if you were doing a redraft, you went six overall. I, I'd want to push him up higher. You know, like I think, I think there's even more there. And, you know, like I know Columbus has taken a lot of heat over the, you know, last number of years, you know, things have not always certainly worked out for them, but um, I think he's a player you can build around. Like he's a, he's a fundamental building block in the Columbus lineup, you know, you know, I think he's going to be up there this year, but even, you know, looking two to three years out, I think he's a player that you'll, you'll, you'll build that whole blue line around and he'll be the focal point. Yeah. So for every reason you just listed, I want to take your check. Mm. Uh, I'm going to veer off from the responsible lens and go, let's pretend I'm a GM that, that loves upside. Yeah. And for that, I'm going to go Simon Edmondson. Now, here's the thing. I talked about the toolkit for Rossi. Same vein here with Edmondson. You got a six foot six guy with, you know, a puck control ability you rarely see with guys of that stature, right? Sometimes the, the bigger guys, it doesn't look as smooth, even if they're effective. So, like, you know, Tyler Myers, right? In his prime, great, really solid defenseman. Um, but even when he had the puck, he looked kind of wonky, right? Edmondson just looks so smooth. And I've always thought that was interesting. And then you add the poise. You add the vision. It's exceptional. And for me, here's the reason I was leaning towards Yerchuk. Because right now, Pat, I don't know if Edmondson has the urgency and the the compete to be what you want in number one, whereas Yerchuk does. But in my hypothetical armchair GM, I'm going to bet on Edmondson. I'm going to bet on him because what I saw from his nine-game stint at the end of the year, and you know, even before that, sorry, throughout the AHL, just how much he's progressing as time went on. I talked to Brian Lashoff for a story on Edmondson, and he he spoke about how just he was getting better and better. His game became more controlled, more responsible, more consistent, better managing his game. And then when he went to Detroit for his nine-game stint, I actually saw one of the games in Toronto live. There was this sort of pep in a step as it mm-hmm. went on. And I always find it interesting, whether it's a guy coming out of college or your mind, you know, you mentioned Evangelista before, right? That, that run he had in the year. When you see a guy that's earned that AHL spot, take it and run with it. Yeah. They usually come back into camp the next year looking a ton better. And and it's it, I've talked to players about this before, right? Where they get that taste, but they do well. You go mm-hmm. into the offseason and be like, all right, I'm going to, I belong here. I'm yeah. going to gun for it. So, you know, with, with Edmondson, I like the sturdiness he brings. Here's the thing. The question mark with him is, can he produce a lot of offense? I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Your check, I think, will be 
everything you just mentioned, plus I think he'll be a pretty safe bet for 34, 35, 40 points yeah. on the baseline, PP1 kind of guy. Edvinson, I don't know yet. And I think if it does come, it might take a bit, which is fine. But I think he's got the tools. And, uh, you know, if I'm starting a, a team from scratch, I, I'd love to, you know, I, I think he's someone that coaches would love to get their hands on. You know, j- just the whole the whole idea of having a player like him that takes up so much space can log 20 plus minutes a night can be one of your best entry defenders in zone, all those things to me, it'd be too hard to pass up on though. I think your check possesses all that upside and in a lot of ways is a safer bet and not to take it away from him. Like, I think he is what idiot. Like he will be a great number one. I don't know. I'm feeling risky. I'd like to take the risk on Simon Edmondson. I, I think I think that's certainly a, a fair pick. I mean, remember, at, we're we're getting down to like you know very small differences in their completely. game. Completely, you know, completely. Like, you mentioned Nemec, who's a great player. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think you know what? If if we, we we could probably each take the other side, right? I like agree. You, you could take your check. I today Nemec, and we could. Make- I could take Nemec. I, I mean, yeah. in my head, like I I thought about it. You know, I could. There's a you make a good point. Pat, there's a case for each. And I even think yeah. with the the first one, you know, there, there's a point to be made about siding with Reichel like, and sure. that talent. And I, I think it's just a fun way to pick it. And yeah. hey, listen, and if, we're, if we are wrong and the guys Pat and I pick blow it next year and be, go to the, the SPHL, well, there's a reason we're not GMs. So you can't blame us. Um, all right. I don't think there's any danger of these. I think all these players, all six players so far, um, I see them as, as impact NHL players. Impact NHL players who are going to be there for a long time. That's you know, you know, the question only will be how much impact. But uh, exactly, you know, all their cases, there'll at least be a uh, a respectable amount of impact. And, and you know, it is a fun exercise just because it's almost like if if you didn't even pick it, but somebody like assigned it to you, and it, someone said, okay, make the case for yeah, no, for sure, Edmonton or Yurchak or whoever. I think. You, you could easily make a strong case, right? Like, and not yeah. feel like you're, you're really, you know, reaching or, 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 you know, having to grasp at something. The fun part too, is that naturally we actually disagreed on all of these or we each are, are we're inclined to go another way, which was fun. And I agree. Yeah. You could have made a case for either. Let's go to the goaltenders. Dustin Wolf, Jesper Wallstadt, or Yaroslav Askarov. Who you got, Pat? I got Wolf. I just, I'm a friend of the show, obviously, but uh, yeah. beyond that, um, he's just a horse and he, he battles. Right? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Whole, that's the theme of his career. Here's a guy, right? Overlooked for, for Junior, goes in and absolutely dominates. Overlooked coming in to the, to the pro game, seventh round pick. Yeah. Uh, you, you, been a, anyone that's ever been in a draft, right? Like, you know what the seventh round's like. Like, the building's emptied out pretty much. It's like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's at that point literally friends and family, right, that are that are still there as far as, like, you know, attending. And he just comes in, and I saw that early on. Like, that, that uh, pandemic year, his pro debut, they played Toronto. Um, the background to that was – Toronto had started uh, – Toronto already played like four or five games at that point. Calgary was their se- season opener. Wolf got absolutely lit up that afternoon. Next game comes like a day or two later. He comes in and just puts on a strong, phenomenal performance. 
because of the WHL playing that year, he had to go back. Um, but, you know, it was just a case of like, wow, this guy really adapts well. Um, you know, some players, you know, they get lit up their first games or pro debut. I mean, that would have been like, you know, you got to rebuild his confidence. He just, he just shook it off. He's like, okay, all right. And made his adjustments and came in and just, you know, like looked like a pro. And yeah, the following year, obviously last year, uh, well, you know, 21, 22 with Stockton, absolutely dominant, put that team on his back all the way to uh, game six of the conference final. And you're thinking, okay, well, that was impressive. And then this year, he managed to put together an even better year. And, you know, Coachella Valley got past them in, in that, that series that went the limit. But, uh, you know, that was that was a toss-up series, right? Like, that was a coin flip at that point. And, you know, it easily could have been uh, Calgary that went to game seven of the, of the, of the Calder Cup final um, in, in, instead of uh, Coachella. But, uh, you know, I, I just I lo- love how Wolf is not a big goalie. Right, like you know, but he competes, he battles, uh, he gets, he pulls the team into the fight with him. Yeah, and um, you know, I think, I think he's a, just a, a smart, poised, um, almost fearless, like, like, just sort of plays with that, like, okay, you score at me, fine, all right, you're not going to score the rest of the night, and and I love that in a goalie. I, I, from what I understand, the fact he's a seventh round pick, it just kind of goes along with his personality. Yeah. It goes along with the underdog story. So I think that you're right. He battles and it's hard to bet against Dustin Wolf, but I'm going to right now. I'm yeah. going to go with Jesper Wallstadt. Um, only four goalies have played over 20 games in the AHL over the last decade, uh, have played over 20 games in the last decade. So he posted a 908 save percentage, a 905 in the first 18 games, and 910 in the second. You know, if that's an adjustment season, man, does he ever have upside? And I think with Wallstat, for me, there, there's very few, there's very few goaltenders that I've seen that have been able to, towards the end of the year, their quote unquote adjustment season, whether mm-hmm. it's college or junior Europe, that in the end of the year, they're starting to steal games. Yeah. And that's what I saw from Wallstead. I think he, at the end, he was starting to steal games on an Iowa team that was not very good. And I think with him, the big, the big thing for me is the guy's 20 years old. Yeah. I, you know, he's got so much runway to begin with, but at the rate he progressed throughout this season, next year, I think he's going to be fantastic. The next year after that, I think he'll be in the NHL. And I think he'll be in, in two years time from now, he'll be playing, you know, a healthy 30% workload of an NHL team's, and, and I, I believe in the player. And um, for me, I see franchise goaltender written all over him. And not to say I don't with Dustin Wolf, but what I will <laughs> say is I think Dustin Wolf will be a NHL goalie, quite possibly, and maybe quite probably a very good one. But I think Wallstat's ceiling is franchise goaltender. And there are, and you know, maybe that's I mean that's hard to say because I think we're moving away from franchise goaltenders even being in the game just given the the tandems and those things. But I see Wallstat being the type of goalie that his pedigree is one day he'll be making big ticket money, if, if that's a way to say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that just in finally, Minnesota with him, they've done it right. I think mm-hmm. this year they made a good call getting him over. Um, not to say another year in Sweden would have been a detriment, but they've expedited the process here, yeah. right? He had a transition year. Now he's 21 going into it, a year under his belt, knows what to expect. He'll get another camp with the Wild. 
he, he he's going to be a really interesting player and it's good for them. That they have Gustafson and, and flower and people kind of stalling him from, from leapfrogging to really keep him down there and seasoned. And mm-hmm. I think it'll serve him well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, here's a bonus one, Pat. This is not prospect. We're going to do one little bonus one before we move on. What three, which of the three players I'm about to list would you pick if the criteria is that gives you the best chance to win a Calder Cup? So you're trying to build a Calder Cup contender. Which of these three players are you taking? Matthew Phillips, Alex Barry Boulay, or Michael Carcone? Going Matthew Phillips. Um, Similar in a way to, to Dustin Wolf, obviously different position, all that, but um, he's listed at, I believe, five foot seven, right? And <laughs> even that might be a stretch. Um, yeah. But he plays like he sits to 220, right? Like he goes to every dirty part of the ice, uh, drives a net like consistently, wins battles in the quarters, uh, plays far bigger than his size, um, totally. and, and just has that motor and that level of competitiveness that I still think he's going to get, he's going to, he's going to push his way into the NHL somehow. Uh, but you know, you know, certainly if he's going to be the HL, um, you know, he, he's a dominant player. He had 36 goals this past season. Um, and that was with missing some time up on, you know, recall with Calgary. Mm-hmm. I think he never obviously got uh, much of a shot with Calgary flames. He's now going to Washington uh, he'll be playing actually, uh, you know, Mitch Love, uh, back, you know, coach, coach of the year is now an assistant with the Caps. So he's either going to have, he's going to have someone in his corner there with the Caps, or, uh, worst case, he goes to Hershey, uh, yep. the defending cup contender with a Or someone other. picks him up off waivers. Someone picks him up off waivers. Um, uh, I think this is the year that, uh, he finally breaks through. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen this with, with, no, nobody believes in Yanni Gord, right? Everyone's like a Yanni Gord, right? Well, Yanni Gord now has himself what a six-year contract, and <laughs> he's established an NHL player, and you know, want to stay on the cuff. So, um, you know, players, you know, players I find get written off so easily, and it, it, so often the case is just being in the right place at the right time, and and having somebody that's in your corner, right? Hundred percent. If, if you can get that. Um, I like your chances. I'm going with Michael Carcone. I think he was the best player in the AHL last year. Yeah, he was a leading scorer, 85 and 65 points in games, obviously. Mm-hmm. He did that on a Tucson team that, yeah, they grinded, they competed, but there wasn't many, there wasn't much talent around him. No. I think that's really impressive. You know, Carcone's been a good AHL player for a bit now. And, you know, not great, but a, a solid good middle six winger that gives you a lot of upside. And I think this year he really popped. And listen, he'll be with the Coyotes next year in the NHL. I love I love everything about his game. He competes. He can be F1 on the forecheck. He's got a good low center of gravity where he's small, but just like Phillips, he doesn't play small. Mm-hmm. He's got speed. You know, I remember when the Marlies acquired him. Uh, I believe it was for, oh, I'm blanking. 
who did Dubas trade him for? Was it Levo? Was it Josh Levo? Uh, no, uh, I'm blanking on it too, but your points went well taken either way. I, um, okay, I remember, I think it was Levo. Maybe I'm wrong, but I remember there was a trade where, oh, it was. Yeah, Kate Producer Connor confirmed it. It was Josh Levo, right? So Levo was in like no man's land. Remember, they granted the request. Oh, that's right, yeah. So I remember reading how Dubas really liked Carcone and circled him. Uh, when he was the, the Toronto Marlies, the GM, uh, or sorry, he was the Leafs GM then. And anyways, you know, didn't work out for him there. In Belleville, he was good, not great. But I think with him is all along the thing that was missing for his game to graduate was that offensive production. I think all the other elements of it are there. We yeah. saw it this year. He did it in a big way. Was a real driver for that Tucson team. And if I'm trying to build a Calder Cup contender, man. I want the best player, and I think Carcone is the best of the three we've mentioned. I think, yeah, it's an excellent case. Uh, you know, and I think you make a really good point. Like, there wasn't a whole lot there in Tucson around him, right? Like, for sure. Honestly, you know, Arizona is the parent team, and Arizona's had its struggles. So, you know, like pretty much anybody that that shows some, you know, that gets hot or shows some potential in Tucson is is quickly brought up to Arizona. So, a lot of nights it was Carcone um, doing a lot of the heavy lifting for that team, and. Uh, yeah, I think that's a real solid choice. Now, moving on from our fun little armchair GM game, one more bit of news before we cap off today's show. Uh, Darren Radish signed a two-year, one-way NHL contract with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He was an elite right-handed defenseman in the AHL last season. 27 years old. He was recalled in the spring of 23, played 17 games with Tampa, played quite well, and then he ended up playing in all of Tampa's six playoff games 950, 975K cap hit for two years. I think there's great potential here for Tampa to have yet another contract that ages quite well and, and is cap efficient, frankly. Yeah. Uh, another classic case of uh, Tampa uh, gets a player into their system, uh, works with him, unlocks what it was that was sort of holding him back. Like, uh, what was holding him back? What was holding Darren Radish back, do you think? I think skating was yep. his main thing, uh, which is the case with so many players, right? Like, you know, it wasn't he wasn't being held back. Like, it wasn't a huge gap. It was just enough, right? Yeah. But here's a player, like, um, again, like, like t- he came into the a- pro game on an AHL deal with Rockford. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to speak with there. Went to Hartford. And t- had, he looked like a player that was maybe going to level off. And yet, but he just kept getting better, kept getting better. And, like, you know, he went into the Tampa system with Syracuse, got to work with Ben Gru, yep. which I think is huge. Um, and he just, his game just kept going, kept going. And, and you know, like, even when he gets called up, like, all right, you're thinking, well, is, is this actually going to work? Well, he ended up being a, a real, real solid contributor, got into their, like you said, their top six and was in the playoffs and, um, you know, really made himself, uh, he's made himself into an NHL player. Right. Like, you know, some players have to, they have to prove they can't play in the NHL. Um, he proved that he could. There's a big difference here. And, and like, yeah, that's a well deserved uh, deal for him. And, you know, like, good on him because, you know, he's, he's one of those players that easily, um, you know, he was getting in that stage where it was not looking great, as, you know, for his NHL chances. And he just kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing, finally, finally broke through. I had a conversation once with uh, an AHL staffer that said that the 
the teams that don't continue to ice good lineups, the teams that struggle on the outer edges are the ones that ignore their minor league team. Yeah. And the premise with that is, okay, when you're a GM, you got your pro scouts. They're in one ear. They're telling you, you got to take this guy on waivers. Oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. You got the HL coach. Oh, Joe Smith, you know, Adam, you know, Smith, whatever, name him, player X, he's ready. And you're balancing each kind of thing. But I think the best teams are the ones that, sure, I'm not saying don't make waiver claims, totally do. But when you're always keeping an eye on your minor league affiliate and bringing in guys that you think, okay, could this be a piece for us? That seems like an easy concept, but not a lot of teams have done it. Tampa mm-hmm. consistently has. So whether it's the Yanni Gords, there's the, the you know, John the Marshall, those cases, whatever. You look at the, the recent cases, Felix Robert. You look at Simon Rafors. Robert was a great or a very good AHL player underlying that they're giving a shot here. Rafors mm-hmm. was a good player overseas. They're like, maybe we can use him. And Darren Radish falls into that camp, right, where – they had a guy here that they thought, you know what, like, what can we, can we make this guy, can we help mold his game to something that can work on our bottom pairing? And, and listen, a lot of credits deserve to Radish, but also to Tampa for believing and investing in him, giving him the chance as they did it in February. And listen, there, here's the reality. Him playing the, all six playoff games is a testament to him and him really taking the chance and running with it. And I love the deal they're doing here because if they went on the open market and wanted a, a bottom pairing defenseman, maybe you're spending a hair over a million, whatever in a cap sure. world, those little slivers of space are so important. And I think getting him sub a million dollars for this year and next year is excellent. Hey, worst case scenario, he's not the guy you want. You have him as your seventh D or you send him down, you eat the cost of it. I think it, it, it's a great move, a testament to the way Tampa manages Syracuse, trusts Syracuse, and deals with players there that aren't just ELC prospects, and also to Radish for taking the adva- the, the opportunity and, and just running with it. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, right? Like, um, it does take a lot of investment, right? Like, finding those those guys that might have potential – you know, like that's just a lot of like Stacy Lewis there, uh, and, and everyone in the, in the Tampa, uh, you know, scouting pro scouting department. It takes a lot of investment, like a lot of time, a lot of energy, uh, to, to kind of like sift through because it gets real like determining who you think at this level has, has NHL potential and who doesn't. Like, it gets real great, a lot of great totally. at this point, right? Like, you're you got guys that are right on the threshold, you know, and, and it's like. And you know, is this guy? Does this guy have legitimate potential or not? And, and like mm. the teams that can that that have the pro scouting staff and the front office that can that can repeatedly uh, show that they can find those those differences and understand that. Well, that's how you end up with what Tampa's done, like you said, like Marchessault and, and, and Yaddy Gord and so on, and now Darren Radish. I'm not saying Darren Radish is going to become one of those players, but just you know, a player that you know, really can actually become an NHL contributor as a regular. And I think, um, you know, when you, you make a great point, like you're in a cap or like you got to find every little, uh, every dollar counts. Right. And, uh, you know, if you can find some of these bargains, I mean, that's, uh, it's such a, such a leg up on the competition. Right. And, you know, yeah. I think that's why we've seen Tampa year in and year out have such a strong team. I mean, like, it's not necessarily that you okay, you have a great top six or, or you know, a great, you know, top pairing on D or whatever goaltending. It's what separates those teams is obviously is what you have in the bottom, right? 
and yep. those guys that can slot into different roles and do so at an affordable price, that's where you, you really make your A. I agree. Well, let's cap it here, Pat. Good show, good stuff. Good thing we're, we're writers and not GMs because who knows how our teams would do. Um, or maybe we should. Maybe you should. That's a good point. Maybe, well, I'm just taking the safe route and evaluating my picks. But hey, I'd be a GM. Give me a call, guys. Um, all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Great to be back um, doing these. We'll be back next week with another episode. Get some guests rolling in before the season starts. Ramp up some chatter once training camp gets underway. But until then, we'll, we'll stop this episode and leave you hanging. Thanks, guys. Take care.